0: The Bob Murphy Show, episode 75. There's a tidal wave coming. What you gonna do? Get ready for another episode of The Bob Murphy Show.
1: The podcast promoting free markets, free minds, and grateful souls. It's your source for commentary and interviews conducted by a Christian and
0: economist. Now, here's your host, Bob Murphy. Well, we finally come to the episode where we're going to get a little bit naughty and talk about vaccines. Now, you're not supposed to talk about that because even Fashionable libertarians—the people who are all on board with saying MIT economists are a bunch of idiots when it comes to monetary policy—even they will mock you and say you have a tinfoil hat on if you question what the government says about vaccine safety, for example. So let me be clear: I have not yet waded through this literature, and so I am not myself taking a stand in this. Furthermore, you might say, "Oh, well, you're being irresponsible, Murphy, because you're giving a platform." My guest today is going to be Brittany Schaefer, and the reason she's on is because she's been writing and covering the issue of what's going on in California and elsewhere about government attempts to mandate vaccines and some of the slipperiness involved there. So that's the reason I have her on. And then, of course, once we're talking about this, naturally, the conversation we will discuss the issue of, gee, why is it that more and more parents now are looking into this? You know, that sort of thing to clarify, you know, is it that they're against all vaccines, period? Do some parents just say, yeah, I don't want this particular one, or I want to delay the schedule that they're going to be introduced in my child, all those sorts of nuances. That's the kind of thing we get into. But I do want to be clear. I have not myself done enough research on this to have an opinion one way or the other. Okay, so I'm agnostic. I will also say some of the provocative claims that brettany's going to make i asked her hey can you give us links to uh you know academic articles and so forth and she's given me some so that will be in the show notes pages bob murphy slash 75 i am not vouching for this i'm just saying though that this is an issue and we really should not be afraid to talk about this or else we get to deplatformed, or people say we're kooks or put it the other way there's lots of crazy stuff libertarians talk about how's that So, in any event, and the last thing I say is that I am comfortable talking about government policy regarding vaccines, and that's clearly an area where I think there's a lot of unlibertarian stuff going on. So, the main reason for me having her on the show here to shine a light on some of these issues, I'm fully comfortable endorsing that, if you will, uh, regardless of, you know, the parents who are really concerned about this stuff, should they be so legitimately or... No, no, no. Everything's fine. Don't worry about it. Doesn't matter in my book in terms of the issues Brittany and I are going to d- discuss. As far as her uh, official bio, so I've known her for years. Um, I knew her father going back to when I was uh, going to the Mises Institute as a grad student. So that's another reason I wanted to have her on is because I knew she was someone who was a straight shooter and I, I didn't you know question her motives. And so I thought she would be a good voice here on the Bob Murphy show. As far as her official bio, she says, "Brittany Schaefer was a journalist in Asia for many years. She is now a mom, independent writer, and author of Urban Yogini, A Superhero Who Can't Use Violence, and the upcoming Annabelle Pickering and the Sky Pirates. She blogs at On the Banks. Without further ado, here is my interview with Brittany Schaefer. Brittany, welcome to The Bob Murphy Show.
1: Thank you. Thanks for having me.
0: So I want to talk about several things with you. But the first one, the reason that prompted me to have you on the show, is I've seen um, social media that you're writing a lot on, there's some sort of vaccine controversy going on, at least on the West Coast. Right. And and I had no idea. I didn't even know what you were talking about. And so this is a, surprisingly, this is apparently is less important than Trump's tweets, uh, according to the mainstream media. So just for people who have no idea what we're even talking about, can you just start and like lay the foundation and then maybe I'll ask some other follow-up questions.
1: Yeah. So basically um, it's, it's kind of come to a head in California, but it's happening. It's actually happening all over the world. Um, People are pushing, politicians are pushing vaccine mandate bills all across the country and in other parts of the world, Europe, South America, For the purposes of this discussion, I'll just talk about the U.S. Um, Basically, so what happened in California specifically is several years ago, there was a bill, SB 277, which basically eliminated the personal belief exemption and the religious exemption for the vaccines that are required for school entrance. And this is school entrance for public schools and private schools for any any kind of school.
0: So can I even Um, stop you right here? So so this is something like, again, I wasn't. So you're saying original what this what it used to be, like it as of nineteen ninety, if you were in California and you were sending your kid to a public junior high, like seventh grade or something, you had you had to be up to date on your vaccines, but parents who wanted and like either just claimed or somehow demonstrated that well, no, we actually have religious beliefs that say we shouldn't do that. That was okay, they could send their kid.
1: Yeah. Or personal belief. It didn't even have to be religious. It was just, you're on whatever, you don't want vaccines. or And just to to be really clear about the definition, it's not just that you don't want any vaccines. Let's say you want to opt out of one of them, or Mm -hmm. let's say you want to go on a delayed schedule.
2: Mm -hmm. You
1: still needed an exemption for that. So when they say, for example, that, you know, 20% of the kids at such and such school have an exemption, they might just be missing one vaccine or they might just be okay, going on you. a slower right. or okay. something like that. So, um, so yeah, so it used to be that all you needed was a personal belief exemption or a religious exemption, or you could get a medical exemption, but that's, you know, it's more work. you got to go see a doctor, blah, blah, blah. So in um, 2015, they took away the personal belief and religious exemptions. The only option was a medical exemption. And they were very clear when they did this, that, the medical exemption would remain untouched. It would be, you know, up to the doctor to determine whether a child qualified, you know, whatever whatever reasons the doctor determined after examining the child. Um, and they were explicit about that. The governor was explicit when he signed it. The, the author of the bill, Senator Pan, who um, heavily funded by the pharmaceutical industry, by the way, um, made explicit promises that that would not be touched, that doctor-patient relationship would not be touched.
0: And, and so yeah. rhetorically it was the point like, you know, people obviously would be very concerned about that and say, Oh no, no, if you have a legitimate medical reason, don't worry. It's just, we don't want people who are, you know, reading crazy stuff on the internet with no legitimate basis. Right. And okay.
1: Right, right, right. So, um, a few years later, Pan introduces this other bill, which is the bill that just passed SB 276. And basically what it does is it puts that determination in the hands of the state. So you would, let's say you want a medical exemption for your child. You get your doctor to sign this exemption form, state the reasons, and then that form has to go to a state officer, an officer of the Department of Health. They're the ones who have the authority to say whether or not that qualifies. And what the bill also does is it strictly limits. So in the past, it was up to the doctor's determination. It could be any reason under the sun you know they had a previous reaction history of seizures their sibling had reactions lots of different things what this bill does is it limits it to a very very narrow criteria for what can what can qualify for an exemption so a lot of the kids who um who have had exemptions in the past or who um who have actually suffered vaccine injury are not going to qualify under this bill. They won't there are kids mm-hmm. who, who have had seizures from vaccines who will not be able to get a medical medical exemption. Um okay other, so let
0: me let me stubby this point again. And yeah. for, I you, I know we know each other Brittany, but for the purposes of the listeners I'm going to be more devil's advocate here because I know Please. there's a lot of people who are going to hear, you know, this and and roll their eyes at you and so let me yes. try to diffuse their skepticism. So but in terms of the the blow by blow changing, you know, what seems to be the moving of the goalpost. the way the proponents of this would would say it is, yeah, we said medical exemption, But look, there's some doctors out there, just like there's doctors who prescribe opioids with, you know, for no reason, just, you know, they're just cranking those prescriptions. Likewise, there's doctors out here just signing exemptions, even for things that aren't really a medical objection or medical reason. And so we're just scrutinizing that more carefully. So we didn't change our word. We still are giving you if you have a legitimate medical exemption. It's just a lot of these things that are claimed to be really aren't. And we're just running it through an extra layer of scrutiny. Is that kind of yeah, how they're playing that's, it?
1: That's kind of that is kind of how they're playing it. So they and they um, they had this whole there was this whole media campaign. You know, if, if you doubt that the media is in in the pockets of the politicians here in California, you know, you just have to follow how this played out and how mm-hmm. the media was used to to promote this story. But yes, that's been the story that there are these unethical doctors who are granting exemptions. When they shouldn't be and you know we've got to crack down on them there haven't been any cases where they've been able to show first of all they didn't there there was no legal standard to begin with there was no legal standard for what constituted an exemption a a legitimate exemption and what didn't Mm -hmm. but by any standard they haven't been able to show you know they've been making this claim that there are all these unethical doctors they haven't been able to show any evidence for that.
2: Mm-hmm. So
1: it's basically just, it's it's just this hyperbole that that they're throwing out there to rationalize cutting back on on who can get an exemption, and who can't. The other piece of that, so as they've done that-
0: And also they, just to, if I get interject, I mean, the, there's a pretty qualitative difference too between like, you know, I think you and I have similar views about drug prohibition, but- there would be a reason that if there were one doctor who were just given opioid prescriptions just because, or maybe he's taking money under the table or so that people would flock there. But in this case, the worst case scenario would be like, Oh yeah. So all the parents who really want their kid not to get this particular vaccine or, you know what I mean? Like it's, it's not like there's some ulterior motive involved or something shady going on. It's just a parent who really doesn't want their kid to get the vaccine right. would go to these doctors that would be, you know, be very willing to write out the exemption. Yeah. So even the quote really- worst case scenario here doesn't seem that, Horrifying,
1: right? And yeah, and it shouldn't be. And the and the more you know about a um, the risks of vaccines and b the benign nature of most of these diseases that we're talking about, it's it's hysteria for no reason. It's it's this mm-hmm. this crazed you know demonization and hysteria with nothing nothing to back it up. Um, what has happened is that um, so first of all, there were there were there are very few pediatricians who are kind of on the side of parents who want to either not vaccinate or you know go on an alternate schedule, go more slowly, skip a few vaccines, that, that kind of thing. There are very few pediatricians um, who will do that.
0: Can I, yeah, I was going to ask you, and, and you can't you can't get in their heads. So the the defenders of this orthodoxy let's call it for lack of it they're gonna say right because this is good science and it's only these fringe outlier i guess is part of what you would say well no because even a doc, like a lot of doctors secretly might think yeah i'm not sure that all the stuff on the schedule needs to be there but if they stick their head up then they're gonna get demonized as like you know
1: and that's exactly jenny
0: mccarthy or something
1: yeah, that's exactly what's at well worse than that because um, because we have licensing of medical practitioners, they're able to use the licensing boards as a weapon. So they um, there's one doctor in particular, Dr. Bob Sears, who they decided to go after and made a complaint, and he's now on probation, basically because he he wrote not a medical exemption, but he wrote a letter on behalf of a child in a custody dispute Mm -hmm. and um, saying that, you know, this is why the child should not, should not receive these vaccines. So they decided to go after him. He's been demonized. More importantly, it sent a message to other doctors. There are no doctors now in California who are willing to give medical exemptions. Even the ones who are very aware of the dangers of vaccines, even the ones who've given exemptions in the past, they are frightened. Because of what's happened to Dr. Sears, what happened to another doctor up in, in the Bay Area. and um, which I think was the purpose of doing that. Right. Um, so even so the irony is that even the people for whom this very narrow criteria for vaccine exemptions would apply, they're not going to be able to get exemptions anyway because no doctor's going to be willing to, to write those. So they basically just created this climate of fear where, mm-hmm. I mean, the, the law itself is secondary. They've right. already made it such that, you know, doctors are just afraid to give them.
0: And again, because the ultimate stick is they could lose their medical license and then not be able to practice. If yeah. Okay. Yeah. Now, t- strictly speaking, that hasn't happened. It's just they're worried about that. So they're pulling because no one wants so to be it the first hasn't, one it has,
1: So this, this one doctor is on probation. So okay. he hasn't lost his license, but it's a clear, you know, that would be the next step if they, if they wanted Mm -hmm. to, I think they would have a hard time, but you know what, in California, they might not. Um, That would be the next step. That's the threat is, Mm -hmm. you know, you, you practice at our whim. And if we decide we don't like what you're doing, you know, you don't get to do it anymore. So, you know, three cheers for medical licensing.
0: (laughs) Right. Um, So, okay. So, and I do want to circle back and revisit some of these more like you know in terms of the ideology or the substance but just in terms of the timeline. So now, I mean cuz you were posting like there's women getting arrested and stuff.
1: Yeah, so what happened was at the end of the legislative session in in September this bill, I mean the whole I don't usually follow legislative procedures and this whole thing has been really eye-opening just the 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 dishonesty and the the insanity of how these things are put together. Mm-hmm. Um so I wrote a piece for Fee about this bill, you know, a few months ago, and then there, then it was amended, then it was amended again. And so it it changed since the time I wrote about it. But basically what happened was this, this amended version of it passed through assembly, and then it had to pass through Senate and it passed through the assembly. um, So these, these mostly, mostly mothers, the people who were who were demonstrating against this had been there for a few weeks. Mm-hmm. And it's mostly mothers of children who they believe have been injured by vaccines and or their siblings have. For, you know, the, the sort of hardcore activists, the people who are really, really opposed to this mm-hmm. are ones who've experienced something personally. Um, it's not that they saw Jenny McCarthy on Oprah mm-hmm. and suddenly had their worldview changed. They've actually experienced something personally. So, um they had been there for a few weeks, and um, just to give some context, nobody from the other side was demonstrating. Nobody was demonstrating in support of this bill or in support of the previous bill. You know, they would drag a few people in to come in and testify in favor of it, but there were no protests or demonstrations in favor right. of it. Um, what happened when um, when it passed the Assembly and then was moving right on to Senate, you know, within minutes. Um, the protesters just started shouting they started shouting and waving banners and just they basically shut the assembly down and they shut the senate down and they the senate was shut down for I think it was more than an hour before they finally were you know they got them out and then they were they mm. went in and they tried to have a closed door vote but then realized that that was illegal so they had to let people in you know on the condition that they would protest quietly right. um, in the end you know they passed it it went right to the governor he signed it But what was, um, what's encouraging to me about that is that, you know, after years, I mean, these, these parents have been demonstrating for years against these bills, because this has been going on since I think 2013 was the first time in California, one of these bills came forward and they've always been playing by the rules. They've always, you know, they, you walk up, you, you state what you're allowed to, to say, you're not allowed to go into detail. You're not allowed to talk about your child's condition. You know, you're just allowed to say, I'm so-and-so and and I oppose this bill. Um, For years, they've been doing that. And they finally realized, wait a second, this, you know, playing by the rules, playing this game, isn't going to change anything. These people are still going to trample our rights. They're still going to, you know, basically impose themselves between ourselves and our doctor um, in this case. And so they they've changed so this was this you know this was just one example of mm-hmm. they they realized that they they needed to do something that would prevent these people from from taking action they did it for an hour you know it didn't change the outcome but i think they've realized that you know if you're going to if you're going to stop government abuse of your rights you know voting playing by the rules going along with their game is not the way to do it
0: mm-hmm. okay and so i guess some obvious responses people would have. And I'm just curious what your thoughts would be. So one would be, you know, let's do the basic thing of, hey, this is, you know, this is good science. And I mean, we see cases and as more and more parents are reading stuff We've got measles outbreaks and things like that that weren't happening before. So, you know, give, give me a yeah. break here. This, you know, this the, in general, yes, there might be particular exception, but generally speaking, parents should be getting their kids vaccinated and they're just trying to nip this in the bud before there's public health problems.
1: Right. So first of all, that um, that once the, the statement about um, you know measles outbreaks because parents aren't vaccinating, or that's just not true. The the rate of measles vaccination in the U.S. and in California too is higher than it's been in decades. And there's this um, actually I wrote something for Lou about this too. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, there's this this thing that gets repeated in the media about how you know when the Wakefield study came out. Demonstrating that there might be a link between vaccines and between the MMR and, and autism, that all of a sudden people stopped vaccinating, they stopped doing the MMR, and um, you know uptake rates, you know, dropped dramatically, and then all these measles cases started coming back. Well, that's actually not true. In the U.S., what happened after the Wakefield study? Um, there was a I think there was a dip for like one year actually before the Wakefield study, there was a dip. And then those rates rose, they, they increased. So they've held pretty steady in the high 90s um, ever since then. There hasn't been, there has not been a decline in MMR uptake in the U.S. Um, since the Wakefield study. So, um, and then, and the, as for the, the case, the increased cases of measles, yeah, if you're looking at, if you're looking at a short timeframe, if you're looking at like the last 20 years, um, we're we're seeing an uptick now a lot of those are vaccine-strain measles it's not um you know it, it's not credible to say that any increase we're seeing and by the way the increase it's still you know this is like the, the worst year we've seen in what 20 years or something it's like a thousand cases for the whole US mm-hmm. so um you know it, your your chances of contracting measles are almost infinitesimal. It's 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 a very very small risk. Nobody has died from measles in this country since 2015, and that was a woman who had who was severely immunocompromised because of of medications she was taking. Before that, I think it was 2012 that someone actually died from measles. It's not a deadly disease. It's a benign, you know, as far as diseases go, it's pretty benign. So the fact that there's this hysteria being whipped up and that people are being demonized for not being vaccinated. It's it's not even on the list, on the federal list of quarantinable diseases. There's mm-hmm. a list the federal government has, there are like five or six diseases on it. Measles is not one of those diseases because, and with good reason, because it's just not a scary, frightening disease.
0: Let's take a break from my discussion with Brittany e to talk about my book, The Primal Prescription. It's co-authored with ER doctor Doug McGuff. So if you like the kind of stuff Brett and you're talking about here, you probably would be open to consider the stuff that I talk about with Doug in our book, which covers the history of government intervention in medicine and health insurance in the United States. And it explains how the U.S. was where it was on the eve of the introduction of the Affordable Care Act, also known as Obamacare. And then we make some predictions, which I think have largely come true about um trends that are going to be in place because of Obamacare. And also, perhaps most important, we give very cogent advice, actionable advice, not just, you know, generic truisms about what you can do to bring yourself and your household uh, through this upcoming difficulty in obtaining medical insurance and health care at reasonable prices. So for more details, go to BobMurphyShow.com slash primal. Maybe this is the time to to bring up, and you you alluded to it a minute or earlier when you clarified something. Um, uh, that like part part of my trouble when I'm jumping into like not that I'm jumping into, but when I when I dabble in this is it, it often turns into are you for or against vaccinations? And that's like saying are you for or against drugs or something? You know what I mean? And it's like right. it's wait a minute, what what's the what's the person's condition? What drug are you talking about? You know what I mean? Like so, similarly here, I mean, it, it, so is there i that's that's the issue. So I'm curious, can you just expound on that a little bit? Like it's, is it like you you were saying about some of these parents, it's not that they're saying, no, 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 don't put a needle in my kid's arm. It's they're saying, I don't want that particular one at this age.
1: It's So a lot of them, it's that, a lot of them, it's, it's, I don't want this particular one. Um, the ones, so most of the people who are, you know, what the media calls anti-vaxxers, most of those people, again, are people who've experienced a reaction either themselves or more likely with their kids. Mm-hmm. And so some of them, for some of them it's, you know, we got a reaction from this specific vaccine, we're not doing the booster. Um, or I'm not doing that vaccine in siblings. For a lot of them, it's just, you know what, that was a really scary reaction. We're not doing any more vaccines. Um, or it's,
0: you know, Can we I got st- you at this point. Mean- again for people who just they have no frame of reference here so what happens is like for some of these parents they take their kid to the doctor up to get your shot and then immediately the kid has an allergic reaction so it i mean it's crystal clear it was the vaccine shot that did that
1: yeah as opposed to like
0: kids who end up being on the autism spectrum and it's not as obvious what caused that Yeah,
1: sometimes some right sometimes it's um i think with most of the people who who believe that, they're with, that their kids were, were injured by a vaccine, it's, it's pretty close. It's um, not necessarily an, an allergic reaction, but it mm-hmm. might be seizures start up right away. Okay. Um, in a lot of cases, it's that, you know, you had a perfectly normally developing child, they get their vaccines, they spike a fever that night, um, maybe have seizures, maybe become lethargic. Something dramatic happens. And then the next day, it's not the same child. They can't speak. Mm -hmm. They can't. Whatever milestones they had reached, they've lost milestones. They're struggling now. Um, That kind of thing where it's, yeah, where it's within a very, you know, a couple days of receiving Mm -hmm. the vaccine and there's no other explanation for it. There's, you know, they didn't get sick. There's not some other thing to explain it. So, um, and then there's SIDS also, there's, I don't know if you've heard the case of Katie Klobes, who, um who is trying to get um, autopsy results from her daughter who died, um, a th- I think it was a few days after, after receiving vaccines, she got, she got sick and then died of SIDS. There actually is, there's a correlation between SIDS and recent vaccinations. So the numbers show that there might be a relationship um, and there are a lot and also of also ant-
0: just like it's very name sudden syndrome means we don't really know what happened.
1: Yeah, yeah. Um, right. I mean, if it's if it's determined that it was the vaccines, it would it would by definition no should by definition no longer be called SIDS. Right.
0: Um, yeah. Um. I, so- I mean, just so you're. I'm saying for for yeah, like so- for, for the orthodox people to be like, oh come on, there's no connection. But I'm saying the very term SIDS means they don't know what what did it so right, it's not right. so then, outlandish then, yeah. for the parent to say well i just got him vaccinated maybe that's what did it yeah
1: right and so so in katie's case that it's that it's interesting because in katie's case she wanted to find out what happened and so she requested an autopsy they really fought her they would not they didn't want to release her her baby's body they didn't want her to have access to any autopsy results they didn't want to do further testing so she's fighting to get further testing but one of the things that came out on the so on the official report, I think it says SIDS. It says either SIDS or, or unknown. Mm-hmm. Um, but then she was able to get more information showing that there had been some brain damage. That something some there had been some trauma to the brain mm-hmm. that had caused it to shut down. That but, it
0: was This is going to sound like you're going to be ashamed of how naive I am. You're, you're saying if your kid dies, you can't just as a matter of course get an autopsy like that's
1: apparently not. Yeah, I mean. And, and I don't is, think is
0: this in California? Like, I wonder if it's, a. No, I mean, I just don't in, have any idea.
1: Minnesota. She's okay. in Minnesota. Um, and I'm not familiar with all the details. So mm-hmm. I may be mis- misstating. I, I don't think it's that she couldn't get an autopsy. I think it's that she requested an autopsy, an autopsy was done. And she either, she requested more information or she requested that more, um, that more work be done on the tissue, that oh, more okay. examination be done. And then maybe they so, said, Hey,
0: we did the autopsy. You know, sorry for yeah. your loss, but that's yeah. all we're doing. And,
1: yeah. and then she wanted the tissue released so that she could independently okay. Okay, get it gotcha. done. And mm. I think she eventually did get it, did get some of it, but it was a struggle. They were fighting her. Again, I, I could be wrong on this. Yeah, thing. I don't want to
0: put you in so in case people want to say, yeah. see, discredited. Bob Murphy show guest doesn't know what she's talking right.
1: about. <laughs> right, right. So I could be wrong on some of these details, but my understanding is that she was trying to get more more work done, they wouldn't do it. She then tried to get tissue released to herself so that she could get it independently done, mm-hmm. and she was able to get some some of that released so that's kind of the extent of my but yes they but it was a pain you
0: know, it was yeah it was not a rush for the truth and oh, let's try all avenues of inquiry just to see what, yeah
1: not at all and that's a common story you hear from people from um Parents who who try to file theirs reports, um, the vaccine adverse event reporting system reports, or who who will say to their doctor, hey, I think this was vaccine related, they will often be brushed off. It'll often be just dismissed, you know, very, very heavily discouraged from sort of pursuing that line of inquiry.
0: Mm-hmm. So you, you still got a lot of issues here. Um so one thing is you mentioned that term anti vaxxer. To me that it's really so is But disclosure, clarification, what, what have you for the listener, I really haven't looked much into this. So I, you know, I, I, my default is, well, gee, I guess, you know, what the medical authorities say. But what's interesting to me is when I see libertarians like on Facebook or whatever going out of their way to mock anti-vaxxers when it's like, OK, but like you also think Nobel laureates in economics are completely screwy. You know, the people running the Fed, even though. You know, somebody like Paul Krugman could understandably say, what? Oh, yeah, the guys from MIT and Harvard don't know what they're doing, but these idiots down in Auburn, Alabama, know how monetary policy works more than we do. You know what I mean? So right. that's right. Like, like I could see saying, hey, I just haven't looked into this. But just to dismiss and say, who could possibly disagree with what the doctors say yeah, even when you're saying it's, plus it's like, they're carnalized under the AMA and, you know, licensing and whatever that that's interesting to me that they would so quickly rush to mock these people.
1: Yeah, it's it's interesting to me that that. People who in other in other areas are very skeptical of establishment views, and especially mm. when that establishment, I the medical establishment, is so tied into the state, as you know, um, it is so controlled by state edicts. And the and so there's a whole bunch of history behind this too. Um, the way the way that that medicine is practiced and the way that it's taught in medical schools is very much controlled by state agencies. Those state agencies are very much influenced by the pharmaceutical companies. And this is something that happened in the 19th century. There was basically, um, you know, there were there were sort of conflicting views of medicine. And the people who, I mean, they were called patent medicine purveyors or, you know, mm-hmm. sellers of patent medicine back then. Um, they decided to basically buy off the political system and create the AMA, um, you know, create licensing for medical schools, that kind of thing. And they they basically took control of the medical industry. So that's what we're living in right now is, you know, we have this medical industry that's very much under the thumb of the state with the guidance of the pharmaceutical industry. So it's not all branches of medicine. It's not, you know, you know alternative medicine doesn't really get a say in how medical schools mm-hmm. are designed, how, how medicine is taught, that sort of thing. It's this one... Sort of group of medical practitioners who have who have taken over via the state, and so for libertarians not to be skeptical of that is is kind of weird, if you ask me.
0: Okay, yeah, I agree with that. So let me now give you a chance to. So the closest thing I can come up with to identify with what you're talking about is the the climate change stuff, right? So I do a lot of work in there, and so just like there's anti-vaxxers, and that's and you know, a put down a label, right. That just uh, There's a denier. Oh, you're a climate denier. You know what I mean? Which of course has the baggage of the Holocaust denier, you know, all that stuff in there. And so there, there's a whole spectrum. So yeah, you got Donald Trump saying climate change is a hoax perpetrated by the Chinese. Okay. But you've also (laughs) got, uh, you know, people who say, oh yeah, I think humans contribute are the primary cause of global warming, uh, or at least, you know, as of since 1850, let's say. And it could be a serious problem, but I don't trust politicians to fix it. You know, just, you know, I don't want to get in the bar. Or you see people say, oh yeah, humans contribute to climate change. It's not going to be a big deal. Government intervention is going to be worse. Or you see people, no, this is a good stuff. It has plants grow. Or you see people say, no, it's solar radiation. The, the CO2 is such a small factor, blah, blah, blah. Right, so all those views are all lumped together as anti-climate denier. Right. And so I'm saying, so here, is there something comparable here? It's very. Yeah,
1: it's very similar. In both cases, I think the goal is to just shut down discussion. So you're not, you know, if, if you're, um, if you have any legitimate questions about climate change, you're lumped in with Donald Trump.
0: Mm-hmm. And
1: you're just, you're ridiculed and slapped with this label and that's it. And that's their way of shutting you up. That's that's their way of shutting down any reasonable discussion on the topic. And that's exactly what's happened with the vaccine question. Um, I would say it's actually worse with the vaccine issue because um there's now outright censorship. You know, within, I say censorship, I hope you know what I mean by censorship. I don't mean government censorship. Right. Um, that social media companies, Facebook, Twitter, um, YouTube, a, a lot of social media companies have explicit policies now to combat vaccine. They call it vaccine misinformation, but basically what it is is anything that questions the official line on vaccines. Um, and when I say it's not, you know, it's not from the government. That's not entirely true because um, back in in the early part of this year, uh, Congressman Schiff wrote a letter to Amazon, Google, um, Facebook, basically requesting that they stop allowing anti-vaccine information on their mm-hmm. sites. And they've all taken action to, um, you know, to demonetize, in some cases, to outright censor, to make it so that your posts don't appear or they they, right. they aren't seen by very, very many people, that kind of thing. So there is actual censorship. I don't know if that's happening in the climate change world. Well, but-
0: it, at the very least, it's – um. so for, I gave a talk, for example, to I think it was Connecticut College about climate, the economics, climate change. And I went through, and 90% of my talk was just showing slides – repeating stuff from the published peer reviewed research of a guy who just won the Nobel Prize for his work on climate change economics and from the Obama administration's report on the stuff and from the UN's Intergovernmental Panel on Climate Change, right? Like So the leading bodies, I just showed stuff from them showing how, look at their published research, doesn't support the aggressive political goals. Isn't that interesting? And then the last 10 minutes, you know, kids were asking, well, what would you do about it? And I, you know, showed some technological things people are working on, blah, blah, blah. And I put it up on YouTube and of course, right underneath it, it said right away, climate change is an important issue. And, you know, linking to, to make right. sure everybody understood climate change is a real deal. Don't listen to this denier. You know, and it right. was like, right. I was just showing what the Nobel laureate and the UN say about climate change.
1: Yeah. Yeah. And and similar things that happened, like um, HuffPo took down, or HuffPost now they're calling themselves, um, took down, um, they've taken down a lot of stuff. But one of the things they took down was this, basically, it was a straight reporting story about the Hannah Poling case. Um, Hannah Poling was this young girl who received vaccines, had, I think she had seizures, but, it, but basically, she she was one of these cases where she just became a different child. She um, lost milestones, lost um, the ability to speak, that kind of thing, and she got a diagnosis of autism. And so, she went through the various went through vaccine court, and was awarded, the vaccine court determined that yes, vaccines the vaccines she received had aggravated an underlying condition she had. She had a mitochondrial disorder, which means that her body's not able to process incoming things as well as, as most people's, um, and the vaccines and, the, and combined with that disorder led to her autism led to her diagnosis of autism. This was just, this This story was basically reporting on that case, um, referencing, you know, the official documents from vaccine court. And HuffPost took it down. They also took down the actual, the document itself, you know, claiming that it was, this is something that represents someone's opinion. And, you know, we, we don't think it's, we don't, basically, we don't think it's safe for the public to be able to see this. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's the same kind of thing. It's just, in many cases what they're censoring is is the science. Sometimes it'll it'll be, you know, something from BMJ or from the Lancet or from JAMA, you know, just just a study that they don't think you should be able to see. Sometimes it'll be straight reporting like in the Hannah Polling story. Um JAMA
0: is what Journal of American Medical Association?
1: Journal of American Medical Association, yeah. Okay. Yeah. There is a lot of you know the what the media tells you about vaccine safety is not what the science says. And these aren't, mm-hmm. you know, these aren't renegade scientists. These aren't like people bucking the system to say, hey, you guys are all wrong. There's there's a lot of science saying, hey, there, are, you know, there are problems. Here are some of the problems that can come up. Or simply saying, you know, not enough research has been done to show, for example, that the MMR vaccine is safer than getting the disease. So... There's actually, there's quite a lot of science backing up what the people who are critical of vaccines are saying, and that's what they are trying mm. to censor.
0: This is really fascinating because, again, the, the similarities between the climate change debate, because what I but, mostly do in my work there is just show the public, look at what they're mostly doing is focusing on, wouldn't it be good if we didn't have climate change? That's not the same thing as saying this policy to like limit uh, temperature increases to two degrees Celsius with a huge carbon tax, for example is a good policy because right. I've got the same right. UN, you know, intergovernmental panel on climate change. They have the economic studies showing the cost of, a, you know, doing these measures in many cases is bigger than the avoided damages. So, I mean, like okay. even their own studies show this would be a cure worse than the disease, you know, no pun intended right. in this case.
2: And right. so that, that's, right. it's
0: interesting. And yet, you know, I'm anti-science for just quoting from the UN's own documents.
2: Exactly. So, exactly. Uh, so,
0: just to flesh out, is it also just true though? Like among these, let's call them activists or or real opponents of mandatory vaccine, do you also have a spectrum of people that so much is more? They're like, oh yeah, I'm you know this particular vaccine. I think there's you know harmful substances in. All the way to people who are like, no, the very idea that you're going to give your body a little bit of sickness so it gets stronger—that's crazy.
1: So here, so I find that more and more that the people who are who are really um, kind of the hardcore activists, I find more and more people are are becoming opposed to all vaccines. Mm-hmm. And I, when I say opposed, I don't mean that they wouldn't be open to a situation where let, let's say, let's say, you know, Ebola was running rampant
0: mm-hmm. and
1: there was, there was a vaccine for Ebola, you know, probably most of these people would at least consider that, but that's just not the situation we're in. I mean, okay. the, the things that they're pushing the vaccines for are not, big scary things like Ebola and the more you look into vaccines the more you realize there are some fundamental problems so just to, to give one example a lot of vaccines, so most vaccines i think probably all vaccines again i'm not i don't want to say something i'm not 100% sure about but a lot of vaccines have adjuvants and what an adjuvant does is it hyperstimulates your immune system mm-hmm. so you put you you know, you give the vaccine, it's got all kinds of other stuff in it, too. It's got preservatives, it's got um you know it's got the the pathogen, but it also has this other stuff too. And one of those things is adjuvants. And the most common adjuvant, one of the most common adjuvants, is aluminum, which is known to be a neurotoxin. Um, so not only so you've got this neurotoxin, and you've also got this thing that's that's overstimulating your immune system. And there has been a lot of work done more so out of the, more so like in Israel, um, not so much in the U.S., um, on the connection between um, vaccines and autoimmune conditions. And so people look at stuff like that, and it's it's not, I think a lot of people start to see that it's not a problem with just one vaccine. Yes, they're different. Yes, some are, have problems that others don't. Some are live virus, some are not, et cetera, et cetera. But there are some fundamental problems just with the fact that you know most of them have neurotoxins in them, mm-hmm. um, most of them have these substances that are overactivating your immune system and possibly causing you know causing damage to your immune system down the line. so I find that more and more people are i don't want to say entirely against but very critical of vaccines as a whole and really want to see when when doing that cost benefit analysis, really want to see a very high benefit if they're gonna put their body or their children's bodies at risk of the of these downsides, the downsides, you know, that we don't really hear about in media.
0: Okay. Let's take another break from my discussion with Britney to talk about my children's book that also involves nonviolence, namely The Three Lads and the Lizard King. For more details on how you can get that, go to bobmurphyshow.com slash lizard. What's interesting about the, um, so I'll do one softball and then one, one tough one at the end. So the the softball, the one that you would, that'll be going along with what you're saying is, what's funny is when I was looking into this, so I did a debate, I forget who hosted it. It was like some website that like hosted public policy debates. And so I took the side of the government should not force people to get vaccines against their will or against their parents' will. So, I wasn't taking a stand on the medical benefits or lack thereof vaccines. I was saying I'm totally agnostic on that, you know, other things equal. I defer to, you know, medical doctors. That's not my area. What I am quite sure of is the, the government shouldn't force you to put a needle in your kid's arm that you don't want, you know, like saying if the government can put stuff into your kid's body against your will as a parent, what can the government not do? Like, right. I, I, it's hard for me to come up with, you know, I mean, maybe the draft for, you know, military service or something, but th- that's pr- pretty extreme. And what and what's interesting, and then, and then in that debate though, I I did look up um, one of the standard objections, you know, like like quick glib things of what a person who doesn't want mandatory vaccines would say is, look it, we're not telling you you can't vaccinate your kid. So on your own worldview, the vaccine makes your kid immune, and so what's the problem? Like, why is my kid, my unvaccinated kid, a threat to your kid? And so what what I thought was interesting is the res- the the first you know response to that rhetorically is to say. Well, what we want to have is herd immunity because there are some children for whom vaccines would be dangerous. And the CDC lists all those things. So those kids can't get a vaccine. So if you're running around not vaccinating your kid on the basis of faulty information, we lose the herd immunity. And then now there's you know outbreaks. And so these kids who can't get vaccinated are susceptible. So the reason I thought that was interesting is they're, the, the pro-vax people, the pro-mandatory ones are admitting, oh, yeah there are kids that the vaccine would be a cure worse than the disease. So now we're not arguing the principle. We're just quibbling over which kids belong in that group or not. And they're saying right. parent right. So to, to me, that's, that's an amazing concession. And yet they do that matter of factly, like it's nothing.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Um, it It is in theory, it's a concession in reality, as we've seen in California they are defining those kids out of existence. I mean, they've now they've now in California made it impossible, even for the children who they say should okay, I, I should probably qualify that by saying there's probably a tiny, tiny group of kids, you know, maybe someone being treated for cancer or something. Mm-hmm. But even the kids within the CDC definitions, which is what, what the state is going by, even the kids within those definitions of not being able to, to handle a vaccine will not be able to get exemptions. So
0: just because the doctors will be afraid to stick their neck out.
1: Yes. Yes. So they've just created this situation where the kids they're supposedly so concerned about are now the ones who can't, who can't get exemptions anyway. Mm -hmm. Um, There's a lot to say about herd immunity. And do you want me to go into that? It's up to you. (laughs) Well, let me me just say one thing, Uh which is that that whole argument just ignores. So it's it's saying, well, you know, you have an obligation to do this to your kids to, in order to protect everyone else. But it ignores the fact that there are risks to vaccines. And you know, again, we're we're quibbling over what those risks are. So nobody denies and when you when you look at. So the only people who deny that there are any risks are mainstream media outlets because the science doesn't say that. The the science right. that they refer to, the CDC doesn't say that. Yeah, so
0: just to be clear, that's what I'm saying was amazing is, yeah. originally they start the argument by saying vaccines are safe, and then no, in order for you to justify forcing my kid to get it to protect those kids who can't get it because it's not safe for them. So you're right. you're actually not saying vaccines are safe. We're just disagreeing about who the kids in danger are.
1: Exactly, exactly. So to acknowledge that, to acknowledge that they're not safe, that there there is some risk, and we can disagree about what that risk is, You don't have the right to demand that I put my child at risk in order to protect someone else's child. You know, if we Mm -hmm. were talking about something for which there was no risk at all, it would be a different conversation. I would still say you don't have the right to stick a needle on someone else's kid, period. But that's a different conversation from there's a risk to this, and you're demanding that I put my child at risk in order to protect your child or to protect everyone else's child. Then there are the problems with herd immunity theory to begin with. Um, Where to start with that? So the theory of herd immunity is something that was developed in, I think, the 1930s. And it was this doctor observed that in populations where people had actually contracted, I think it was measles, where they had contracted this disease, that... It conferred sort of this—he this, called it herd immunity—throughout the population. Once you had a certain percentage of the population who had actually contracted the disease, not been vaccinated for it, but actually gone through it, that that kind of provided a level of protection for everyone else. Um, it doesn't apply—you can't just apply that straight over to vaccines because, first of all, vaccines, whatever vaccine coverage you get, doesn't last a lifetime. You don't get lifetime immunity from your childhood measles vaccine. So you have all, basically most of the adults walking around are unvaccinated by, you know, any standard by which you would go in and like take titers for somebody and say, oh yeah, you've got, you've got measles, titers, you're, you know, you, you've got protection against measles. Most adults don't. So mm. this idea that, you know, you can, you can transplant an, uh, the, the concept of herd immunity where everyone has gone through this, the disease and has lifetime immunity to this completely different framework where you get some degree of immunity for a certain period and then it wanes and then you don't have it anymore. That doesn't make sense. Another problem is that.
0: What's interesting, just if I can stop is that you're saying that like, if you really wanted to do, take the herd immunity stuff at face value, we should be intentionally getting a bunch of people, giving measles to a bunch of people and saying, do it for the good of the herd. You know what I mean? And yeah. normally I mean, at least libertarians that- should be like, you know, to call ourselves a herd and to, you know, have sacrificed the interests of the individual for the sake of the collective. That's normally not what we do, but.
1: Right. Yeah. And again, that's, it's funny to hear libertarians talking that way. Um, so another, just sort of as an aside to that, another, another thing about, about measles in particular is that, and with sort of with childhood diseases anyway, is that the way they sort of operate in nature is that young, not infants, but young children get them when they're sort of at their strongest, they can fight them off. It, strengthens their immune system, then they don't get that disease again. Um, what happens when children don't go through that is that, A, older people are then more susceptible. You're susceptible in older age if you haven't gone through the disease, but you've had, you've had the vaccine and, you know, you don't get it at a young age. You might get it at an older age. The other thing is that um, infants are more susceptible because it used to be that mothers would pass on immunity to these, to these diseases through breast milk. That's not happening anymore. So what's
0: because happened, the mothers have been vaccinated when they were right, little? Okay. Right.
1: So what's happened is that the disease burden has shifted. It used to be it used to be that these childhood illnesses would affect children at, at this age where they're you know very robust and able to handle it. Now what's happened is it's been sort of it's been shifted to these other more vulnerable populations. So the mortality rate for, for measles, it looks like um has actually risen since vaccination. So you know, just prior to the vaccine, it was like one in ten thousand was was the case fatality rate for measles. And now it looks like it's it's getting higher than that. I don't want to say definitively, but there's some evidence that it's actually that it's
0: actually rising, okay. so at the very least, you think there's definitely like an offsetting thing to take into account,
2: yeah, right? yeah. it's
0: not merely like so it's sort of like, um, you know, like a water bed, it's got a bubble somewhere. If you push it down in one spot, don't just look out. We we saw that probably like it, it might pop out somewhere else. And so you're saying, yeah. Buddy, yeah. focusing our fire as it were on making sure kids who go, you know, from kindergarten through third grade, don't get measles. That's actually pushing the measles earlier and later in life.
1: Yeah. The people who get it
0: yeah. and other things yeah. equal, you'd rather a third grader get it than like a, you know, six month old infant. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Um, Okay, well that's good. So now let me for the last one on this. Um, I'm imagining couldn't a standard libertarian say, Brittany, look, I when they start passing laws forcing kids going to private school to get it fine, but this is a government institution, you know, so-called public school. This is government property. You know, I wish they didn't have public schools, but given that they have them, they can set whatever rules they want. This, you know, why you don't have a right to go to public school? Period. You know, that's taxpayer money funding that, so you don't have a right to go without vaccines. So what are you talking about?
1: Um, so it actually does apply to private schools too.
0: Okay. Well, that's a good answer.
1: (laughs) (laughs) All of these laws across the country, it's for, um, it's basically state policy that applies to all schools. So it already applies to private schools. And let's say it didn't, let's say that we're just talking about public schools. Well, then why should I have to pay for it? Why should I have to pay for something that I'm not allowed to use, um, or that, you know, Has conditions such that I'm not willing to use it, um, which gets into the whole, you know, why do we have public schools in the first place? Mm -hmm. But yeah, it does. It does actually apply to private schools already.
0: Okay, I'm glad we clarified that. I didn't didn't realize that. Okay, I had just assumed they would first do it, or did they? Have they done it in a step by step fashion?
1: Um, As far as I know, it's always the the vaccine requirements have always been across the board. Um, I'm not sure. I'm not sure if it was ever.
0: What about yes, home homeschooling?
1: homeschooling? Is it so? That was what I was going to say next. So homeschoolers right now are exempt. Um, I'm convinced, and I'm willing to put some money down on this, that they are coming after homeschoolers next in California at least. And the reason mm-hmm. I say that is that before this latest bill was announced, back back when you know you could still get a medical exemption and it was still totally up to the doctor, uh, the LA Times, which is basically a mouthpiece for the California government. The LA Times started, and other publications too, started this big campaign of, oh, these, you know, these terrible doctors giving medical exemptions, you know, this is terrible, it's a loophole. They found a loophole and they're exploiting the law, and this is terrible. Um, and then this law came out. Well, more recently, they've started talking about how homeschoolers are exploiting a loophole, how mm-hmm. um, people who people who don't want to vaccinate their kids are homeschooling in order to avoid vaccinating. And, oh, look, the homeschoolers are actually a big danger too, because, you know, they're not, you know, they're out in public with everyone else and and these kids are
0: ticking time bombs walking around.
1: Exactly. Exactly. So, so, um, I'm pretty certain that the homeschoolers are next, um, at least in in California and Mm. other States, you know, often follow California.
0: Okay. Well, that's depressing. Yeah. Um, I, and I certainly on yeah. my own end, I have seen the demonization of homeschooling and have thought not just on this issue, but in general, yeah. like there was some horrible case about like a homeschooling parent that like kept their kid tied up or, you know what I mean? And like that right. was a big like, right. a show. Basically, that's what homeschooling is, you know, <laughs> and it was right. like, well, right. yeah.
1: Never mind all the shootings and assaults in public schools, you know. That's right. Yeah. Just, yeah, right. It's, it's like, like, fortunately,
0: no time. one ever gets hurt in a public school. Yeah. Right, um, right. Okay. Well, maybe we can switch now to something more, uh, more enjoyable. Uh, do you want to tell us about your, your book? So I know you got the one that you sent me about the, the sure, superhero. Yeah.
1: yeah. So this is Urban Yogini. Yep. Superhero who can't use violence. Um, Urban Yogini, the Christmas edition. She still can't use violence.
0: Um, <laughs> not even on Christmas. She doesn't get to break percent. some bones. I know. Bones. It,
1: I know. I'm, it, I'm so mean. Um, Yeah. So basically this is, this is a story of this, um, young woman who is sort of down and out, you know, lost her job, lost her apartment, um, starts working in a yoga studio, takes up yoga and is somehow imbued with magical yoga powers, which include, so include super strength, but she has to follow the laws of Ahimsa, which is non-harming. She's not allowed to harm anyone. So she can protect people. She can help people. She can pick policemen up and put them on top of buildings and stuff like that. She can't harm anyone. So basically I, I kind of go through a lot of, um, a lot of issues, police abuse, um, the feds in there. Um,
0: yeah, yeah I, let me just say very like it's, it's very sophisticated. So in case people got the idea that it was like for kids or something i mean it, it's not for kids the, the 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 bad guys as it were in the book are extremely sophisticated i'll put it that way
1: okay thank you yeah. Um, yeah so it so it just it deals with a lot of sort of what i think of as the core issues of you know the 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 encroaching state i mean i can't even say encroaching anymore of the the authoritarian system that we live under um, and how she deals with that from a nonviolent perspective. How, how does she, how does she solve all these, these situations she's thrown into and fight the bad guys without using violence? So that's, that's basically that.
0: Can I ask you personally, are you a pacifist?
1: I'm not a pacifist. Um, I do, I, I do support, you know, using violence in self-defense if you have to, which I, I mean, in my definition of pacifism is you wouldn't even do that. Is that what you, is that your?
0: Right, yeah. It, so that's yeah. right, like I d- debated Tom Woods recently on the contract. Right, days. I haven't
1: seen, I saw that, but I haven't actually watched it. Um, yeah, so I, I would absolutely, you know, resort to violence if I had to, to protect my kids or to protect myself. There are some problems with that, I think, because once you say that, it's like, well, at what point do you, at what point are you, Justified? At what point is it a legitimate threat? All this stuff. So I think I do have a commitment to being as peaceful as I can until I feel that I can't. Mm -hmm. But then that's that's also so. This it raises so many questions because that that's also kind of you know that's so subjective. You know, any military general could say the same thing. Say, well, I tried every peaceful you know option Mm -hmm. I could before I had to blow up the whole village.
0: well yeah yeah so that's i mean but in your defense and, and that that's kind of how tom was trying to trap me on the contra cruise by the way i did win that debate just not let's not beat around the bush and and so yeah because you know he back, tried to back me into a corner and you know oh so bob you're you know painting a scenario where something bad's going to happen to my kid unless i give someone a bloody nose what do you think i'm going to do you know that kind of stuff yeah. um and so but but i was also clarifying though okay but still my by me saying that and that I would, like, for the rest of my life, be regretting and wondering, is there any way I could have defused that situation without having to hurt that guy? Um, that's different from the standard. You know, there's a lot of libertarians who, like, on Facebook, share those videos of, like, a convenience store. Robber comes in and then some guy beats the crap out of him. And it's right. not like, oh, look at the, you know, it's too bad they had their, no, it's like, yeah, look at this guy, get his, you know, so even there, that's, that's a, a different attitude that you're having by saying, you know, I really is a last resort when you're being sincere and not just saying that rhetorically.
1: Yeah. Yeah. And I think that's kind of more, I guess more what I'm getting at is less, it's less sort of a philosophical position against, I wouldn't say, you know, if somebody was coming and attacking my child, would I, would I retaliate with violence to protect them? Of course I would. But to me, the question is, it's not really, I don't think it's a question that could be answered with philosophy. I don't, I don't think it's a question that could be answered with even a worldview. It's more, like you said, an attitude. It's like, mm-hmm. do you inside yourself really have a commitment to being peaceful? Or are you saying that, but really you're going to cheer when someone's righteously beaten up? Mm-hmm. You know, it's it's to me, it's a, it's a it's a difference in your attitude inside yourself, and mm-hmm. that's not something, you know, anybody can abuse a philosophy. Anybody can can say, oh, well, you know, I had no choice, and and maybe in their mind they didn't, but there's and I've i just seen this a lot with some of the activists because, um, you know, it's to me, if you're gonna if you're gonna be demonstrating against something or actively opposing something it's critical to be peaceful.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: And there's you know there's a mindset where there's you know one mindset where it's like you can't see a way to be peaceful. But then there's another mindset where you can see those different options where you can you can where you're like looking. I think there are people who are genuinely looking for options to be peaceful and there are people who are not. And it's a it's a question of attitude. It's a question of what do you really what are you really committed to inside yourself?
0: rather than what's your stated philosophy, if that makes any sense. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I'm curious, can you tell us a little bit, like what made you say, like, did you set out and originally you say I want to do like, so I I have a book, the three lads and the lizard King. Yeah. And, I read it. I read it. Oh, thank you. And I don't want to spoil, but in there, like I did actively set out to say, you know, I wanted, cause I was going to originally just tell the story to my son And I say, I don't like this typical thing in fantasy or whatever. You know, like all these, you know, Chronicles of Narnia and all, what do you call it, uh, Lord of the Rings? Like there's these big epic battles between good versus evil and people are getting slaughtered. And it's like, Mm -hmm. it seems to be teaching little kids that, oh, yeah, if you're a good guy, what that means is you take out a sword and you go kill a bunch of bad guys. Yeah. And I thought, (laughs) you know, okay. (laughs) So uh, that I actually, like with you, did it start like that? Or was it originally like, I want to write about a yoga superhero and maybe... Isn't that a twist to be nonviolent?
1: Um, so I started, I didn't, so this one, I didn't, my, my other book this one, mm-hmm. is for kids, but <laughs> the, the yogini one is not, is not really for kids. I started with, so I, I do yoga and I'm sort of around the yoga people a lot. Mm-hmm. And it is, it's just so frustrating to me to be around these people who are and I think a lot of them are deeply committed to being peaceful, I think, in their mm-hmm. lives. I mean, a lot of them are more peaceful than I am in just their daily lives. They're, they're, I think a lot of them have this deep, deep commitment to that, and yet they want Hillary to win.
0: Okay, and great. They're Th- like, that's okay. kind of what I was getting at. So yeah, it's there's yoga. This, this, there is an attitude of be one with yourself in the universe and don't try to force it and that kind of stuff. Right, and,
1: but then support uh-huh. all these politicians. And and support healthcare mandates and all this wonderful sounding legislation that's going to be enforced at gunpoint. You know, there's this this tremendous disconnect in that community. And so that's kind of what, that's what sparked me to want to write this is to come up with this character who really, you know, not only is is committed to being nonviolent, but can't be violent. And so she can't do things like someone asked her to sign a, a petition calling for more regulation of the banking industry. And she's like, ah damn, you know, I just, I can't, I, I can't, my, it won't work. I can't, she can't even, she can't even sign mm-hmm. a petition because that's, you know, right, she supports right. violence by doing that. So that was sort of more my motivation.
0: Okay, great. And then, so now in the coming. so the other one is, as we're recording this, I'm not sure when people are going to see this, but the other one's not out yet though. Can you hold that so one up again?
1: This one, um, this one will be out in early November, okay. uh, November 5th, I think is the, is the release date. Mm-hmm. Um, this is actually for children. It's like a middle grade, I don't know, eight to 12-ish age. I hate to put ages on it. And it's, what I'm hoping it is, is just a really good adventure with fun characters and pirates and stuff. And of course, there's an anti-state lesson in there. Um, Can you
0: say the, the title just because some people are listening just yes, to the audio? Sorry,
1: it's, it's um, Annabelle Pickering and the Sky Pirates. And this is book one, it's going to be a series. This is book one. Book one is called The Fantastical Contraption. Mm -hmm. And it's, it's basically, it's about this, it it takes place in an alternate Victorian universe. Um, this young girl's parents are kidnapped by the state and she joins up with a bunch of pirates and sort of amateur scientists to try and get them back. And, it basically it deals with i mean it deals with sort of fundamental issues of the rightness or wrongness of the state but also you know what is law what is what's justice free speech free inquiry all that kind of thing in what i'm hoping is not a heavy-handed way
0: okay well well great are the, are the scientists pro vaccine
1: <laughs> I'm not bringing vaccines into this at <laughs> all. I'm not, this, I'm not even touching it, not even touching it. Um, they're pro-inquiry. And later, it doesn't happen so much in this one, but later on what happens is the, the state, so the queen starts, what I'm showing is how, how the state is threatened by information and how it's threatened by individuals pursuing the truth. And so it's this group of people who are, you know, in their own fields, historians, scientists, lots, lots of different fields, um, pursuing the truth and how they get shut down, how the how the state tries to control information and how it tries to control who can who can do the exploring and who can't kind
0: of thing. Okay, great, great. Okay, yeah, so we'll definitely put links there. So folks, this is bobmurphyshow.com slash 75. We'll give links to all the stuff we've been talking about. Well, uh, thanks so much for your time, Brittany. It was a pleasure having you and I'm sure people Thank got you. a lot of, out of this.
1: I hope so, thanks.
0: Okay, thanks for listening, everybody. And we will see you next time. You've just experienced another episode of The Bob Murphy Show,
1: the podcast promoting free markets, free minds, and grateful souls. For more information and to subscribe to this podcast, visit bobmurphyshow.com.